0: Discipline and consistency separate the good from the great. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Debra Kazowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we bring guests to inspire you, educate you, and motivate you into action so you can live fully into your life, your leadership, and into your business. Today's guest was introduced to me by another guest that was on our show from Hustle & Flow Chart, Joe Fear. And most people think that it takes a tremendous amount of effort and time to remove mental roadblocks and alleviate that self sabotage holding us back. But Erin File, the founder of Mind Fix Group, has a track record of getting lightning fast results for her clients and the results of life changing and long lasting. Her work and words have been featured in books, magazines, podcasts. Webinars newspaper columns and events and conferences and she's given keynote talks and Presentations on instincts and human behavior her signature program as an unheard success of exceeding 90% and the average time it takes her clients to begin seeing results in areas that they've been stuck for years in just 10 days Wow Welcome to the show, Erin, I'm so excited because this is an area that I love talking about mindset, sabotage, removing those roadblocks, and what a treat to have you here on the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So first of all, I would love to find out what drew you to removing roadblocks
1: and focusing on that human behavior aspect. Sure. Um, I always had an interest in human behavior and human psychology. I started studying it in high school. I got my undergraduate degree in psychology. Um, I took a turn, a, a turn though, away from psychology and actually went into graduate school for digital media and ran a, an agency for 16 years. But at the end, um, I started to get frustrated. I, I knew I wanted to do something different with my life. And as I started getting pulled back into the world of behavior and psychology and was reading books and studying and um, doing courses, I ended up having um, this bout of of mystery chronic pain that nobody could figure out what was going on. And so I started to see a number of therapists and um, kind of uh, counselors, just because as, as my pain was continuing and nobody could help me, nobody could figure out why I was having this weird pain, I started to have more and more depression and anxiety. So I was looking for help and there was a day I was speaking with one of my, um, my kind of counselors and guides and she had mentioned that I was so stuck because I could not figure out how to get out of my own way and, and my mental lens was so dirty with all of my old programming and beliefs. So that, that just opened this door for me to get curious again and to go, you know, if I can figure out how to change what I believe to be true and change how I see the world, perhaps I can get unstuck and I don't have to feel so miserable all the time. And so I set out to, to do my own work and to, to do my own studying. And along the way, as I started to rapidly change my life, I started to help friends and coworkers and colleagues and suddenly the results were so phenomenal and happening so fast. I had like a wait list of people, um, who were, who were, who were looking to work with me. And it was just, it just shocked me that I suddenly went from being this agency owner to know what I'm passionate about and what I love to do. And what I get amazing results with is helping people rapidly get unstuck. So it was kind of an accident. Um, and I never would have planned it in a million years.
0: See, And, the, and those personal events seem to really trigger, you know, often can lead to careers or huge opportunities like it did for yourself. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain area where you found yourself, where you sabotage yourself without even realizing, you know, how we get when we talk about getting stuck in our own way, but we often don't see where we're sabotaging. So I'm, I'm curious, is there a certain event that you were like, once you realize you held a certain belief that
1: you were like, oh my gosh, look what I'm doing. Uh, I, I know that one of the major areas in my life where I was sabotaging myself, <laughs> I'm like, which one, which one do I pick? <laughs> so, there were so many. Um, oh, there was just there was this constant sense I had of no matter what I did, I was never good enough. And that I found sabotage so many of my work relationships and personal relationships. So here I was running this agency so that I could go and have this beautiful life and free time and enjoy the outdoors. And I'd go for a bike ride. I'd go snowboarding and yet i couldn't even enjoy myself because i'd be constantly comparing myself to every other person i'd be out outside with a stranger a friend comparing myself i couldn't even enjoy my free time which is what i was working so hard to have so i was sabotaging the the like the free time in my life, I'd go out and I'd, I'd come home frustrated because I hadn't ridden fast enough and I hadn't snowboarded well enough, and was worried about what other people were thinking. So I was I was sabotaging the entire part of my life that I had was driven to create for myself. That was a really big one that I noticed is that lack of enjoyment in my free time was was just being destroyed.
0: That's very interesting, and I love how when I get to interview guests, that there's something very similar that had gone on in my life recently that matches every single guest that I have in some way. Um, A few weeks ago, uh, I was out for a bike ride with a girlfriend, and uh, my family member, you know, had a certain amount of time and wanted to join us and took off for the intensity of the bike ride. We stopped and took pictures, we, and we chatted along the way, still working hard, and I'm still working on, you know, figuring out my gears and everything. And the next morning at breakfast, it was like, are you sure you worked hard enough? And I was like, oh, maybe I didn't. Maybe maybe I, you know, all of a sudden that doubt came in, and I started texting my girlfriend saying, you know I, I really thought. We had an amazing time yesterday, but I just got to ask you, um, did I hold you back from having that intensity that you maybe have wanted? And she's like, did you have a good time? I'm like, absolutely. We had a phenomenal time, the flow of conversation, the pace, the challenge. And she's like, well, that's good enough. That is perfect as it was. Quit doing this to yourself. And because I had to go to this place out of, I can be consistently active, but it's not always with that full intensity. But then I started saying, okay, maybe I didn't do this enough. Maybe I didn't do this enough. And it's so interesting that that story that you just shared just pulls into that because, you know, you see the rings on Instagram, you know, I am enough and all of this movement to remind people that we don't have to fall into that comparison trap. And needing to shift away from, did I enjoy myself? Was there happiness? And and I love that, Erin, how you said, you know, "I, I didn't have the joy. Like, we steal that joy. So what was one of the first steps that you took to move out of that?
1: Oh, I had to start uncovering what some of the old programming was that I was carrying around without even realizing it. So I started to realize that I was carrying around a cluster of beliefs about myself that are actually really common that not a hundred percent of me believed to be true, but a part of me believed to be true. So I discovered that I had self beliefs like, you know, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, I'm stupid. And, um, uh, if I make a mistake or fail, it means I am a failure. All these, pieces that, um, of old programming that I had picked up when I was younger that were kind of like stuffed down in a way, but that were still impacting my life. And then as I, as I worked through those, I found not only did I have old programming and beliefs about myself, but also about other people and about work that were really creating kind of a toxic relationship to work Uh, beliefs around mistakes and failing beliefs around what other people thought about me and their judgments. And so it was this process of clearing out like these old fragments and rules and programs that were in the background of my mind that I wasn't really aware of that. If you had asked me, do you believe this? I would have said, absolutely not in the background it was almost like worrying you know this quiet hum that was kind of having this power over my life mm-hmm. and I had had no idea so discovering first becoming aware of these beliefs and programs and then going and clearing them out methodically and systematically one by one those were the two main steps that allowed me to see really really rapid progress um, a short period of time so for someone who's listening to the program and they say, Oh,
0: Hey, you know what? I can identify with this not enough. And to have that clearing process, what, is it something that they need to journal to write out the thoughts? Is it a declaration that they have to do or do they need to just repeat affirmations? Yeah. What are, what are some of the things that maybe two or three things that people can do to start that clearing process? Cause I, I, I realize that you have many exercises that you take people through.
1: Sure. So when people work um, with us at MindFix, we actually only have a few simple processes, but everything is done one-on-one. Sometimes programming and beliefs can be very tricky to work with. The reason why we have them is because they keep us safe or our mind thinks they're keeping us safe. So trying to talk ourselves out of something that we already believe can be quite tricky. that's oftentimes why people who will use affirmations run into dead ends is because if part of you deep down believes that you're not enough or that you're not good enough and then you try to come along and and every morning you look in the mirror and you're like i am enough i am good enough there's this massive cognitive dissonance it's like you're holding the opposite ends of the magnet and just like bounces off part of you's like no that's not true. And um, I know maybe a handful of people that I've met over the years who have had success trying to overcome limiting beliefs and old programming with affirmations by just telling themselves something over and over and over. But if you believe something, you know, if, if I told you like to say over and over and over, um, you know, and I asked you every morning to say, my name is Susie. And you just say something, and you just say the words every morning, but there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't work very well. That's why it's so important. We found to subtract and clear out the beliefs before you try to add on and do something like affirmations and install the new ones. Right, kind of like erasing the tape instead of trying to write over it first. It's far more effective. Far more effective. Yeah. Um, some people have found that um, they are able to impact old beliefs and programming by first um, having awareness of them, and then second, refuting them and trying to come up with uh, proof that they aren't true. So, someone who might say, I never have enough money, you know, that's a belief, or, or there's something that's just driving them crazy they might write out a whole page of all the ways about how they do have enough and they always have enough food and there's always been enough to take care of what they need and they're able to start changing how they feel around some of the programming um I've seen limited success with that but some people are able to kind of talk themselves out of it and prove themselves out of out of um old programming Mm -hmm. Uh, the the uh technique and the processes that we use kind of try to circumvent the issues of why it's so hard to convince yourself of this type of you know and try to talk yourself out of it and that's why sometimes you do need the one-on-one work to have someone guide you through a process that helps your mind let go of an old belief
0: Mm -hmm. because you have someone on the outside who can is not so close to the forest per se right So that you can see clearly and be offered other perspectives Mm -hmm. of the same situation because it is true. The phrase of what you perceive is your reality and you look for confirmation bias, right? To find everything that's going to support your belief. But if we were to throw in another belief and said, look for support for that, you could too. That's why when people at the scene of an accident, that everyone has a totally different perspective. And somewhere in the middle is truth.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: So, you know, I was um, who is one of your greatest mentors that has contributed to the work that you do?
1: Um, one of my mentors is Shelly Lefko, who is the wife of Morty Lefko, and they did a lot of work many years ago on um beliefs, belief elimination, and um, conditioning and deconditioning processes. And I've worked closely with Shelly over the years. And she's a wonderful woman.
0: Yeah. Because I know when I was listening to your interview with Joe, I, was, I went and watched um, Morty's uh, TED Talk. Mm-hmm. And it was about how to end the suffering. I actually shared it with a, f- a few uh, clients and some friends that I know who are facing some challenges And it was one of the exercises that he mentioned in the TED talk was to look at the event and see if you can offer different perspectives to remove the emotional, the feelings, the emotional charge to it. So I had, you know, made a list of different things. And I was, I was amazed at how quickly a person can eliminate the feeling that got associated with. And it's almost like, then what? Now (laughs) there's no emotion. It's not there. So what's the big deal? It's basically move on, is what I took away from it. And um, one of the things also I wanted to ask you when it comes to sabotage, how important is a person's language as they their speech and how they want to move forward? And yet at the same time, having that limiting belief saying, oh yeah, sure you do. Or when it comes to saying, I can't. I won't. How important is language when it comes to removing those roadblocks?
1: So language is incredibly powerful. Um, a neg- I was just listening to a, an interview recently, and um, research is showing that negative thoughts are four to seven times more powerful uh, than, say, a, a positive thought or a positive statement. So if someone says, you know, this is an absolutely horrible day, you would need four to seven positive statements just to neutralize the negativity and the feeling and the negative energy behind that one negative statement. Mm -hmm. Now, what's really scary though, is when you verbalize the negativity, when you say it out loud, instead of just having the thought, it actually is like 10 times more negative. We're talking 40 to 70 times more powerful than if you were to just think a positive thought. So the quality of our thoughts is so powerful, but then when we verbalize and say them out loud, we really do start to create our reality. And so being so conscious of what we say is absolutely critical, but being aware of what we're thinking too is, is really important. The challenge is we are not our thoughts and we can't always control our thoughts. Our thoughts are determined and they sprout and they show up based on what we believe to be true. So if we believe we're a horrible business person, and if we believe that success is so difficult, we're probably going to have different thoughts throughout the day than someone who believes they're a good business person and that success comes easy to them. Those beliefs are going to determine the thoughts that someone has And the thoughts and the quality of the thoughts determines what comes out of our mouth and how we feel throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So if we can, and because we don't control the thoughts that sprout up, and anybody who's ever tried to meditate knows this, you sit for a moment, you are not in control of all the thoughts that start, you know, coming to your mind. But when you can impact your beliefs, you can actually impact the quality of the thoughts that start showing up. If you believe that you're not good enough, you're going to have these thoughts throughout the day that sabotage you, that bring you down. If you don't have that belief and you go throughout the day and you run into a tough spot, it might be like, ah, shoot, I'll do better next time. And you move on. You're not sitting there beating yourself up and having this harsh inner critic, which just drags you down and sucks your energy. So when you can impact the quality of your thoughts, and then you can be really careful about what you end up verbalizing, since that's going to have so much more power than just the thought itself, you're going to start getting a lot more control over your life and moving it in a direction that works much better for you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think people, when they can see
0: themselves more in progress, then they can take the actions necessary because if they have that belief that they're not enough, not deserving, they're not going to take the actions that match what they hope to believe. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, we, we talk a lot about beliefs. We talk about, about thoughts what are some of the things that influence a person's
1: belief or what they think? So a belief is going to impact how an event occurs to you and that will determines your th- and that determines your thoughts. So as an example, if you believe that if you had a belief that you, you aren't likable or that people don't like you, and someone walks by right in front of you and doesn't look at you, okay? that event is going to occur to you as proof mm-hmm. that you're not likable. So you're going to have thoughts of, I knew I no one likes me. I said something wrong. I'm not okay. I, you know, that person must have a grudge against me and all these thoughts though that, that one belief of I'm not likable or people don't like me is going to sprout all of those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Because that's how that event is going to occur to you, right? Yeah. So if we pulled the, those beliefs out that people don't like me, or I'm not likable, we cleared those out of your head, like with a magic wand, and just grabbed those, and then another person walks by you and doesn't look at you, you might look at them and go, huh, they must be having a bad day, or maybe they didn't see me, or what's for lunch? All of your thoughts change based on what your beliefs are, right? Mm-hmm. And we collect collect or uh, yeah, I guess we collect and, and have these beliefs installed, a lot of them at a really early age. Mm-hmm. A lot of them come from what we watched our parents model for us, what our parents said, and what our parents did to us. Not everything, but a lot of the ones that cause people problems with self-sabotage and procrastination, perfectionism, not feeling good enough, difficulty setting boundaries, money blocks, a lot of those really came at an early age and got locked in there but by, the, by the time we hit seven or so. Wow. So that, that's one
0: of the influences. You know, when people talk, especially with parents um, about video games or television shows or watching too much news, how is that influencing? Like I know, you know, with all the events going on from everything from Black Lives Matter to All Lives Matter to COVID, you know, watching the news in general, you know, we have a lot of these influences about the belief what's capable at our current circumstance, and I think people can get trapped in current circumstance. How do you help people to see beyond
1: where they currently are
0: to where they can go?
1: Well, there's two parts. Uh, At at the end of the day, so much of, of what we try to teach is that people can experience massive success through subtraction. People don't need more news. They don't need more inputs. They don't need more video games or more ways to like soothe the tension. What they need is to pull out or subtract all of the inputs that are causing their challenges and their stresses and their anxieties and their difficulty having, uh, being able to create a clear vision. So your input, the quality of your input is directly correlated to the quality of your output. If you are feeding yourself a diet of fear and scarcity and bad news, even a little bit every day, that impacts your nervous system, that impacts the quality of your thoughts, which impacts how you feel, which impacts the actions that you do and do not take. So we, we really subscribe to this concept of, again, success through subtraction. Create, you know, go on a diet of information, What what are you pulling in each day through Facebook, through your friends, through family, through news that you can cut out, that you don't have to absorb? And then as you're kind of creating this diet of um, media and diet of (laughs) cutting out the, the gunk and all of the negative influences in your life, Let's look at the roadblocks, the mental roadblocks that you're experiencing and the beliefs and the programming. Let's clear those out as well. Mm -hmm. So again, it's all about let's subtract what's there. You don't need more. You don't need more tools. You don't need more tricks or tactics to feel better or to create a vision. What's happening is you're blocked and there's already too much noise and too much static, too much information competing for your attention. So let's clear out everything that's in there and create space so that you can be the you that you know you can be. I love that, success
0: through subtraction. So I was reading The artist Way with Julia Cameron, and I think it's, if I remember, it's like week four, yeah. week five, where they ask you to do a reading def- deprivation. And I was like, how do I do that? Oh my gosh, because I love to consume like many of the people listening and watching we love to be consumers but it can stop us from being the the creator and when she refers to the artist it's how you live your life you don't have to be a sculptor or painter or whatnot it's whatever your craft is that's what your art is Mm -hmm. and the reading deprivation it actually brought a lot of awareness to me that I was reading too much Um, And it was a form of procrastination. And, you know, so it's very interesting. Like I love to read and and I love to learn and I always wanna make sure that I'm implementing at least one thing from everything I learn. So when I did that, you know, deprivation, kind of like that subtraction, I realized, you know, you don't need to read as much. Like you need to still finish reading your books. And now I'm looking at putting myself in the 75 hard challenge where it talks about, you know, reading, I think it's 10 minutes. And I'm like, wow, wonder what that will be like, you know, going from deprivation to shifting gears. So I really love that, that we don't need more tools. We don't need to continuously because I think we can get so focused on always needing to improve, always needing to do more versus subtracting some of the things that are actually being distractors.
1: Absolutely. I think the concept or the programming of more is better is something that I found I had deep within myself that had been programmed in me. It was always more is better. More work is better and uh, more emails are better. And the longer the email I send is better. And the the more I bike, the better. Everything is, is this more is better approach and over the time, that can be so harmful to us. Yeah, and it can lead to that
0: stealing of joy, again, because it, you have this self-imposed measure that you're never enough, taking us back to our earlier part of the conversation. It's just so powerful to have that realizing those moments. So when you think of the aha moments, and uh, I like to also refer to them as eureka moments, is when one of the clients that you've ever worked with when they've had that aha moment because i know you have such a success rate 90 percent, are you able to share with us you know i know with confidentiality is really important that we don't expose a lot but are you able to share with us maybe a situation and the outcome and where the shift takes place yeah
1: absolutely um We just had a woman, a lovely human being who graduated from our program a couple weeks ago. And when she first came to us about two months ago, her, one of her, she had two key challenges she was working on. One of them was perfectionism and the other was people pleasing. She was so concerned what everybody thought about her. I mean she had her own podcast and she would be terrified of what guests would think about her when she was being interviewed. She would go out with family and would be sitting at the table and was concerned about what everybody was thinking about her most recent comments. She'd go to the store and would be worried about what the people at the store were thinking about how she was dressed. It was just this low level ongoing constant um, tension where she was fearful of constant judgment at the same time she also had um, she was struggling with perfectionism uh, whether it was with her kids and having her kids do exactly what she wanted when she asked them and how she wanted things done to um, sending out emails to clients to uh you know proofing certain types of content everything there was this invisible pressure she felt to be absolutely perfect in everything that she did and it was between these two pieces it was crushing her it stole her energy it stole her joy it made her constantly um, focused on other people and what they were thinking about her and having to be perfect and it really was causing her tremendous anxiety and stress on the outside it she looked like she had everything together But on the inside, each day was this constant push and pull between being perfect and am I making them happy and what are they thinking about me? Mm -hmm. So we worked very closely and over the arc of about two months, it was absolutely incredible to watch her progress. Every week we would sit down and clear away kind of accumulated subconscious stress. We'd also uncover some of the old programming and beliefs that were keeping her stuck in this pattern. So we found out that she had um, old beliefs like, if I'm not perfect, people will reject me. Mm. If I'm not perfect, I will lose love. Um, What makes makes a person successful is being perfect all of the time. Uh, And we discovered all of these and you know, each week they would kind of bubble up to the surface and we'd clear them out while at the same time, reducing her stress. And as we cleared out all of these old programs, every week, she would report less and less and less frustration and stress and anxiety around her patterns until at the end, she was like, they aren't there. You know, I've dealt with perfectionism and people pleasing my entire life. And I'm not that person anymore. You know, I'm, I'm fine doing things at 80% if they don't need to be perfect. I walk into a store and it never occurs to me that people are looking at me or thinking about me. Yeah. I went and posted something on social media and just hit send without worrying about what all the judgment would be. Yeah. And she's like, it's like I have a new lease on life and everything feels absolutely incredible.
0: Well, I think one of the biggest things is when we're concerned about what other people think and we have that fear of judgment that I would assume that at some point she had moments that she withdrew herself so that she didn't have to face that. Absolutely. And it, and it's very interesting because I was uh, scrolling through different images and motivational uh, fitness stuff for myself. And one of the things was that they had a post about, Uh, I think it was a blog that was leading to is about people being concerned about, I don't want to go to the gym, because I think people watch me. And it's very interesting, because if we really talk to people around you, they might notice you for, you know, three seconds. But then they're back to focusing on their own workout, their own life, they don't have time to focus on what you're doing, and are you doing this right? Unless you're, they're your personal trainer that you're paying them to do, right? But in our lives, you know, we focus on wanting to please others, but I think we lose sight of that. And what's gonna please us? What's gonna help us move through that perfection to know that we're accepted for who we are? And I think it comes down to some, of some awareness, but also some level of acceptance.
1: Mm-hmm and on the planet that is accepted by everybody. You know, there will be people who judge us. There will be people who think negative things, but that has more to do with with them than with us. You know, we can say something perfect. We can go up to 10 people and say, thank you for helping me, thank you for contributing to my life. And one person may go, you're welcome. And the other person may go, why are you telling me this? What, what do you, what do you need from me? And another person might be, are you being sarcastic? And another person might go, Oh, no problem. Don't thank me. There's no need to thank me. Right. We can have the same actions and present a certain way to the world. And we don't have control over other people's filters and beliefs and Um, programming and how they're going to receive it. They may have beliefs that nobody really likes what I have to offer and so when we say thank you to them they can't receive it right yeah And, and that plays out in all areas of our life and it's why we can't base how we feel about ourselves on how other people see us or think about us because we don't have control over that yeah I remember it gives me a flashback to when I first started speaking
0: um, and doing presentations. I used to hand out all these evaluations, but at the beginning of every talk, i you know, go out in the audience, network with people before taking the stage. And later on, like a week later, I get this bundle in the mail of all of these evaluations and I'm scrolling through them and And I even received an email like a few weeks later from this lady who dove into taking action on something that she had been sitting on. And she was an older lady and she goes, this is something I've always wanted to do. I wanted to write for a newspaper. And suddenly she had her own column. And then I got these two (laughs) evaluations that were like, yeah, you never taught us anything we didn't already know. And it was like, they were identical. So I'm like, I already knew exactly the table they were sitting at the two of them together and I was I was so focused on, I can't believe they said that and you know, and are they really implementing this in their lives? And then I got the other email about this huge action she took and how elated she was. And it's so interesting how we get pulled to that negative edge, but look what these two said. There was two of them who said this versus all of the positives that came out of that thick pile.
1: Yep, yep. Yep. And then that goes back to the power of how negative feedback, negative comments are four to seven times more powerful to the human brain than positive ones. Yeah. And then uh, I was working with a coach and she
0: said, so does it matter that you hear from everyone, like when they come up after the stage, um, or is it just that it needs to impact one person? And how is just like, Well, the impact of one person, because I know that it's a ripple, it affects many people more than the person that you just impacted. And then I was at this event and she said, remember, half of the audience could be introverted and half is going to be extroverted. So half of them are going to listen to you and they might go home and say something at supper. They might keep it to themselves or share it with a close friend or the extroverted people they might come up and shake your hand and start talking to you and then they'll continue on with the, you know the next coffee or social they're at they're going to bring you up and i was at this event and this lady came up just in tears about whatever i had shared that day had impacted her and i was like okay this is this is what she was talking about yeah. right yes. it takes that one person to have that huge shift and remembering that not everyone. And that's when, you know, in the beginning, I, I needed that validation, right? I wanted to know that it was okay, that I was pleasing and that I was fitting in. And then when I started, you know, not caring, knowing that the message will resonate with someone and that that impact is there, that whatever I shared, I could see the faces immediately to see where they're engaged or disengaged, and I didn't worry about evaluations. It was great you know, for learning in the beginning, and if I wanna tweak something, I'd rather have it from the organizers and the feedback that they get than in the immediate moment, right? So it's very fascinating to me, human behavior as to you know, introvert versus extrovert, and also being able to trust your own gut instincts when it comes to because a lot of the work, like we, I was talking with you before we got on here, you know we talk about removing this sabotage and the roadblocks, but then ultimately being able to shift and remove some of the beliefs, which again, I love this, the subtraction leads to, you know success. Success through subtraction, is really about focusing on what we can do in this moment to help us get to places of clarity to help us in our decision-making, but also being able to trust gut instinct. So when it comes to belief and trusting gut instinct, what advice would you give someone who was like, I want to trust myself, but I still have this doubt. How do we shift from doubt to actually moving them into more of an active phase?
1: It's interesting. What what we've found with our clients is a lot of times people will come to us and they say that they're really having a difficult time trying to connect to their gut, trying to connect to their intuition. And oftentimes the reason is because when we have these limiting beliefs and these old programs, they're like noise or static in our head. You can't do it. You're not enough. It's going to hurt. It's not going to be good. And you have all oh, you know, the static. So as you try to sit and connect to what's true to you, it's like you have all of this noise. That's, that's uh, acting as a barrier from connecting to your true and authentic self. So what we have found is that over the course of a program with a client, as, as they strip away all of these old programs and beliefs, suddenly they're able to connect to their intuition and to their gut much more easily. Mm-hmm. It's not like, wait, is this truly me or is this my fear? It's, ah. I can, I know what I want. There's this connection that happens when you clear out and you subtract that gunk and that noise that's not part of your authentic self. Yeah. And also you
0: had mentioned earlier, you know, is this true and when part of you believes it's true, this is where we get triggered. So what do people need
1: to do to examine the truth? Well, um, one of the easiest tools that anybody can use right away is look at a situation. Um, perhaps uh, they can. I'm trying to think of a good example. Let's say if we go back to the example we used earlier, where someone walks by, right, and doesn't look at you, and you instant. Let's say you have the belief I'm not likable, and you instantly go, "Oh goodness." You know, like this is proof, like I'm not likable. People don't like me. I'm a crappy person. One easy tool that anybody can use is coming up with other ways, other stories, other uh, alternative interpretations of what just happened. Mm -hmm. Because you can say that person doesn't like me. That's proof. You can ask yourself, is that 100% the truth? Mm -hmm. And you can go, you know what, perhaps... Perhaps that person was busy. Perhaps that person didn't see me. Perhaps that person has a lot on their mind. As you start coming up with alternative interpretations of what you experienced, your grip on your initial story being the truth will oftentimes break apart. And you're open to, you know what, I'm really not sure about the situation and the stress and the feelings and the emotions that were so linked and attached to your experience will oftentimes just melt away. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you're excusing someone's
0: behavior or always
1: deflecting it. Mm -mm, Not at all. You're just, what happens is as we go through life and we have experiences throughout the day, we, we are part of our mind is like, why did that happen? And then the other part of our mind comes up with a story and we think that's reality. Mm -hmm. And it happens in a nanosecond as we come up with a story and we think that's reality. So often the stories we tell ourselves are wrong. And so pausing and asking ourselves, wait, did I really do a bad job? No, actually I gave good information. Actually, I did this. Actually, the person thanked me at the end. And we can start seeing our lives through different lenses. And that's so important is breaking out of the lenses that we've gotten locked into over time. That's so powerful,
0: Erin. I wanna thank you for all of that. So many powerful nuggets that people can implement immediately. Um, I have a couple final questions to ask you before we wrap things up. What is one book that has really challenged your beliefs or really focused you on your course?
1: Oh goodness, um, I think when I was younger, reading um, Dale Carnegie's "How to Make Friends" or I don't even remember like the word. It was like "How to uh, Make Friends and Influence People." That book. Yeah. I remember just being a. a a young kid and reading that and being so blown away by this different way of looking at life and I, I remember one of the stories in there about how to make people really feel important and just the importance of listening the importance of mirroring and reflecting back to them it blew my mind i had never been taught anything like that in school and that made such an, an impact on me, even though I can't remember the exact title of the book, <laughs> you would think.
0: How to win friends and influence
1: people. Thank you, thank yeah. you so much. You um, can build that into the curriculum actually. <laughs> oh, it's such a beautiful, I just, I just remember that being this pivotal moment in uh, when I was younger, that, that you could actually connect with other humans, because I was such a shy you know, kid, And reading that book opened up all sorts of doors for me. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Thanks for sharing that. My final question for you is what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out?
1: (sighs) This is, this is a new um, definition for me. I would say that I have in the past few years really, really learned the importance of connection to others and connection to self. And without deep connections to other humans, and being able to connect to oneself, I think it's just impossible to live a rich life. Absolutely.
0: So Aaron, how can people stay with, in touch with you, even work with you through MindFix?
1: Uh, they can just head over to our website at mindfixgroup.com. I invite them to click on the results page to see what we're able to do for our clients, and we also have a free training. You can uh, click the link there and get a free video, one-hour training that's still available to the public.
0: Oh, that's phenomenal. Thank you so, so much.
1: You're welcome. And thank
0: you for joining us on the show. It's been such a pleasure. This is one of my favorite topics, mindsets, sabotage, diving into that narrow plasticity of how we can rewire and shift the way we think to get the results that we want. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you everyone for joining us here on the Millionaire Woman Show. I'd love for you to go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com. For right now, you can get your three-part video course called Making Habits Stick, where you can build focus and consistency into putting those steps into your goals. As also, hop over to the YouTube channel. You will also find us here at this interview today with Erin on the YouTube channel as well, and many other videos there to support you. And uh, as Mama Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world and go out and make today great.